Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Hey, uh, we've been talking through this series um, over the last couple of weeks. Is that too quiet now? I'm just kidding. We're going the other way. Can we just go right in the middle, Steve-O? You got this. You got this. Uh, I know it's hard going from Jesse's voice to mine. Listen, if she was shouting at us right now, I reckon her voice would be louder. Can I have an amen from Tito that's been shouted at before? Brave man. Never would an amen. And he's outside working with our kids, doing a great job. Hey, we've been going through this series uh, in Colossians chapter 3. If you're new to church, if you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks, we've been walking our way through Colossians 3. We started Colossians 1. Today we're up to Colossians 17. So we spent a bit of time basically just walking slowly through what Paul was writing to the Colossians church. And uh, we started off where he said, seek the things that are above. Make sure our, our mind and our eyes are set on those things. Uh, he talked about our old men being dead. And he also then went on and said, we don't just have a, a dead old man and inner nature. We also put off things that we've lived in our lives, our language, our, our living, our walking, our outwork. And we put off some of those old things. He went on and said, now we begin to put on Christ because we come alive in Him. And last week, we got to the fact where he talked about that peace ruling in our lives. I know so many people walked out of last week feeling like God did a wonderful thing in your life, supernatural peace in the heart as we walked our way through that and we looked at what Paul was teaching us in how to actually walk in peace. I had people message me during the week saying, thank you for that message. It just spoke to me so much about peace and bring peace to my life. And I'm grateful for that. I've seen a number of people posting online. That's, that's awesome. That's wonderful. But today we step past peace. And listen, Paul actually speaks to areas of our life. And uh, some of that's awesome. Some of that's cool. Some of that we don't like because we always hate being spoken to. Can I have an amen from somebody that hates when God nails me down? But listen, over these next couple of verses, he nails us down. Mia, can you come and read for me? Can we put our hands together. Welcome this young woman of God. I think we've got eight verses today. I'll hold the mic for you. You're going to read it nice and loud and wonderful. You go, girl. And whatever you do, do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time. Do not, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent heart, fear of the Lord. Working willingly at whatever you do as for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done. For God has no favorites. Masters, be just as fair to your slaves. Remember that also you have a master in heaven. Good job, girl. Come on, put your hands together. Listen, I'm going to do my absolute best today to walk our way through this and to see what God's trying to show us through His Word. I want to remind you, can I do this briefly? I want to remind you that the last couple of weeks, we, we touched on passages of Scriptures like verse 16, which was last week, where He said, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all Wisdom. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Listen, 
Today we are going to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly by walking it through, letting it speak to our lives. And I trust I can teach you again a little bit of something today. Can I just show you something that came into our op shop a little while ago that was really, really cool? This is a Bible. We've all seen Bibles. We've seen many, many Bibles. But this one's a little special. Can I just read what it says in the front of this Bible and its dedication to the person that it was given to? Let me read this. To my, I can't read it really well. To my dear Alex, on, the, on our something wedding day, from your loving wife, somebody that I can't read their name, September the 3rd, 1910. How cool is that? September the 3rd, 1910. There's actually some highlighted scriptures in this, and they're dated. There's one dated uh, 1923. There's one dated 1946. And it was brought into our uh, op shop just recently. And praise God, one of the, the guys found it, and they brought it up to my office. And it's now in my office because I love the fact that we have a Bible from 1910 sitting uh, here in our church, which is really, really, really cool. If you're not good at maths, that is over 113 years old now, which is really, really cool. Bibles are powerful. John made a statement before, which is really true. They are powerful only if you let them speak into your life. Other than that, they're pieces of paper with black writing on them. Putting them under your pillow is not going to help you sleep at night. It might, in fact, make your pillow uncomfortable. And I'm sure a pig's head would also be very uncomfortable under a pillow. And a little stinky as well, just let me add. It's, your, it's the Word of God put into our life. Now listen, we're going to be really clear. The Word of God is perfect, it is powerful, and it is life-transforming. It is incredible. The Bible, in fact, says, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to discern between soul and spirit, bring transformation to our lives. The big challenge is our ability to interpret the Word of God. Because when we look at the Word of God, we always look through the Word of God through our experiences. I look across this room, there's a vast different number of experiences. Paul, can you come and just run up here and join me quickly? Paul, yes, come and join me really quickly. Quickly, Right now we have the young Paul. I won't help you up on the platform, I know you can climb up yourself. Listen, when Paul looks at the Bible, he was born in 19... That's not true, that's not true, that's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. It's a lie. He, he just looks like it. Uh, he's actually 23 and he's also a pastor, no that's not true. He, he, he looks at the Word of God through the culture that he has grown up in. I'm guessing you're a boomer. Would that be right? Yes? Yes, you are. You've grown up in a culture, and, and you would have grown up with a father that was very strict and harsh, very direct, probably not loving and engaging as a father per se, but very strong. This is, uh, again, a, a cultural overview of the culture that you've grown up. And now, when you read the Word of God, you read through the guise of the culture grown up in. Would that be pretty correct? Now, this is a wonderful thing sometimes, but it's also a challenging thing sometimes. It's a, it's a little bit difficult. Hawa, can you come up here? Can you come up here for quickly, really quick, run up here. My girl, you can do it. I promise you, it's not that scary. Hurry up, Hawa. Now, Hawa stands here as a, as a young teenage, you 13 yet? You are, aren't you? Soon, soon, soon. She stands here as a 12-year-old, soon to be 13, which is very, very scary. But as a 12-year-old, soon to be 13, she looks at the Word of God through a whole different culture. She never grew up in a, in a culture like this where 
just post-World War II, things were harsh, had, parents had gone through the Great Depression, that, that struggled. You know, I'm, I'm sure your parents were like that, that they wanted to keep everything because they'd gone through times of not much and, and they always said, you, you need to eat all of your food because we never had food when we were kids. There's a bit of that going on. Now, this young woman has grown up in a different environment. She now grows up in a whole different environment of Australia where you were born in Australia, weren't you? Born in Australia, born in Australia, grows up in this environment in, where there's been plenty. Yeah, there's times when mums struggle, there's been times when things have been difficult, but growing up in a whole different way of thinking. Now, when you're at school, there was, there was lots of Bible study and those things were done at school. In your school, there's, there's not that same outworking and even people telling you, hey, listen, the world was no, not created, the world was only formed. And this whole range of thinking now comes to try and read the Bible through the guise of the world that she's grown up. Now, we, um, uh, listen, I'm not trying to point pictures at different age groups here, but we could very easily do that where, where we think these guys here worked hard, worked hard, and this generation doesn't know what hard work is all about. And I'm sure there's a bunch of you in the room thinking that right now. And please keep that to yourself for a few moments. Because we're just talking through the reality of the issues trying to read the Bible. Now, now it goes a little different. Yannick, can you come and join me? Come and join me really quickly. Yannick, he reads the Bible with a reality of six languages. He doesn't just have English, barely, for some of us Aussies in the room. He has a whole bunch of different languages. He, he speaks French, Swahili, and a, and a bunch of, that right? And a whole bunch of, uh, of other native dialects, and English as well. And he comes to reading the Bible with an African culture, an African man culture. And he starts to read the Bible, and he starts to look at the Bible. I praise God, he's an amazing man of God, and his wife has shaped him incredibly into who he is. I mean, the Word of God shaped him incredibly into who he is. But he starts to read the Bible in a whole different way of thinking and, and believing. This is funny. These two are both have African heritage, but she's grown up and been born in Australia, and her cultural understanding is even vastly different to his. Because now they try and read the Bible and they're trying to read the Bible with the guise of these different cultural understandings for a moment. Dan, can you come and join me, my friend? This, this is Dan. This guy's a legend of a man. Listen, Dan comes to the Bible now as a Pacific Islander. Now, Tongan and Yue, that's your background, is that correct? Married to a Samoan wife and you both lived in, in the other state of Australia, New Zealand, for a while as well before coming here. And so, it's in the Constitution, people, just read it. So the All Blacks, go the All Blacks when they're winning. Uh, listen, you're reading the Bible now from your growing up, from, from your weight. Now, you're a little bit younger than this man, a little bit, you're younger than me, I think, as well. Vastly better looking, a little bit younger, maybe, as well. And you read the Bible now from this a whole way of Pacific Island culture. Family was big for you. It was a big part of your life. And, and, and when you read the Bible, you, you read through the outworking of, of that picture of, of culture. Brian, can you come up here right now? We've we got a, a South African now. And listen, again, vastly different. Again, it come from the, the African continent. But your understanding of the Word of God is, is then interpreted through the way that you've grown up and the way of your thinking. Joel, can you come and join me up here too? Come, Joel, run. Joel, run and join me, join me, join me. This guy recently turned 50. What an awesome guy. I know, I know. He's older than me and looks vastly younger. Welcome to being a white fella. It's no good. These, these Asian genes are good genes. Now, you read the Bible through Filipino 
growing up and outworking. Listen, this guy, this guy here reads these passages of scriptures through an understanding of what it meant to be a dad that lived away from his family for significant periods of time. We, we spent time talking about his, his life and, you know, he got married and he married to beautiful Maradell. And, and these guys were separated for sometimes up to nine months at a time. Is that right? Well, you're working and you'd come back to your family for a week and then you'd go away and work because you're trying to make a, a living for your family. Now, you read these scriptures through the guise of that. See the challenge of the Bible right now? The challenge isn't the Word of God. The challenge is how we see the Word of God. How we read our way through the Word of God. How we understand the Scriptures that the God is speaking to us here through the Word of God. And it becomes difficult. Christiana, can you come and join me right now? Please, please come and join me. I will help you on the platform, not because you're needing it, just because of that dress maybe make it a little bit difficult. Now, Christiana, comes and join, come and join me. Look at this, this Word of God right here for me. Here's the difficulty. She now reads the Word of God, not as a man, not as a man, not as a man. She now reads the Word of God as a woman. And her attempt to understand what God's trying to say here is then enveloped in the fact of how you've grown up and what you've encountered as a woman. Listen, we've got a whole range of different people standing here that all love the Word of God, that are all passionate about the Word of God, that all believe the Word of God is, is the written Word of God that speaks to our life. But every single one of this looks in a whole different way and trying to understand what God is speaking to us and what Paul is writing to us in these passages of Scripture. And I wanted to highlight that this morning because Paul starts this, this passage, and just stay there for one second because I want to highlight something. He starts in verse 16, he says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you, richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Listen, when Paul writes this chapter 3, he's building upon truth. He starts by saying, look on the things above. Your old man has died. Your new man is coming to life. Put off old nature. Put on new nature. He's saying these things to us, and he's building upon truth, building upon truth, building upon truth to get us to this passage of Scripture that we're going to spend time looking through today. But he's building upon truth, in fact, by saying, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. So let what I'm teaching you right now dwell in you richly so it can change you and transform you and utterly shift you. But remember, in building upon truth, we've got to skip back a couple more verses to where he says here in, chapter, in verse 10 of chapter 3, now put on the new man renewed in the knowledge according to him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, synthetic, slave free, but Christ is all and in all. Listen to what he says here. It's not boomer versus Gen Y. It's not African versus uh, being a Pacific Islander. It's not South African versus, versus uh, outworking yourself as an Asian man. It's not woman versus man, but we're all one in Christ. So listen, Paul is bringing us to this point, saying this, stop looking through the guise of the culture that you understand, and I want you to come and seek kingdom culture in your life. Hey, I know this is difficult. I know every one of us have grown up in a certain way. And because we've grown up in a certain way, we're doing our best not to read the Bible through the way of growing up. But Paul is trying to teach us right here, right now. We're going to get to the Word of God, the truth of what God is trying to teach us, not through the guise of all of the cultures that we come to the Word of God through. 
But let kingdom culture come alive in us and dwell richly now in what God's trying to show us for our lives. Today, can we do this for a second? Can we unfold in our minds for a moment some of our culture and just read the Word of God for what God is really trying to teach us and trying to show us? And look, as a pastor today, I feel nervous talking through some of these things because I know that they mean different things to different people within different cultures that are in this room that are melded together and are one in Christ. And I'm going to do my best to teach kingdom culture in, in this room today. Is that okay? Can I, start, can I start by saying this? Can I start by saying this? I am grateful. I look over here. Uh, we, we, you know what? We've got a, a famous artist in the room. Can you come and stand up for me, girl? See this woman I got right here? You know, Jen has been doing, come and stand, come and stand over here. Jen has been uh, painting uh, murals right across, all over the place. Uh, just recently I received a, a, a Christmas card from Milton Dick, I think, the Speaker of the House of, of Federal Parliament. And her painting was, was on, on the Christmas card for that. This, this girl is impacting powerful. And listen... She is a, a powerful indigenous woman of God that I am so grateful for her and her husband and her family and what they represent for us here. Again, Australia Day, we've just walked through, but indigenous families that are loving Jesus, serving God. And listen, our community needs that like such a powerful, powerful, powerful way. This is what I do today. I stand here as a white pastor preaching to a multinational, multicultural church and the reality is that Jesus wasn't white. Listen, if you've seen white paintings, thank you, Jen, you can take a seat. If you've seen paintings of white Jesus with blonde hair, blue eyes, he wasn't a blonde hair, blue eyes, white guy painted by English people. Listen, Jesus didn't speak English. We read English Bibles, most of us in the room. Jesus didn't speak English. We've got to be really clear about this. Jesus was a Middle Eastern man who, who grew up in the Middle Eastern world. He was a Jewish man that grew up in Middle Eastern 2,000 years ago, and he wasn't this beautiful, blonde hair, blue-eyed, white guy. And so we're not preaching a white gospel here in this room. Can I be really clear about that? We're preaching kingdom gospel in this room, kingdom culture, life-changing kingdom culture that changes my life, your life, and every single one of us in this room. Thank you so much. You can all grab a seat. I'll help you off the platform. I'm going to do my best today, if I can, walk through these passages of Scripture. And, and can we do this with our eyes open to what Jesus is trying to say for us today? Verse 17, And whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ, except if you're playing sport. I feel like I should add that part. That's not what he says. Whatever you do, whatever you say, let it be as a representative of your Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, within this chapter, three times, I've broken my fingers too many times, and I can't put three fingers up by themselves. Three times, three times in this passage of Scripture, he makes this statement, whatever you do, or whoever we are. He talks about it three different times. In verse 11, he says, no matter what culture you are, we're all one in Christ. In verse 17, he says, whatever you do in your life, we are one in Christ. In verse 23, again, he says, in our workplace, whatever we do, we are doing it for Christ. 
Paul is teaching us in our lives, wherever we're at, whatever we do, whoever we are. Listen, you walk into this room, bringing your culture with you. Praise God for beautiful cultures in this room. Praise God for the melding together in this room. But we all come together in the culture of Christ and the beauty of what that is. We live our lives with the same culture, the culture of Christ. We shine Jesus in whatever we do. We come through our workplaces, wherever we're working, we are shining Christ. Paul says this, whatever we do, whoever we are, however we outwork our lives, our lives are for Christ. Billy Graham made this great statement. He said, our voices, our service, our abilities are to be employed primarily for the glory of God. Primarily for the glory of God. I read this other great quote. Yesterday I was clever, so I took the glory for me. Today he makes me wise, so I give the glory to thee. What a beautiful reality. Whatever we do, whoever we are, however we work, we are here to glorify God. Listen, I know it is very un-21st century to make a statement that my life is here not just for me, but it's here for God. 21st century culture is this. My life's about me. My God comes in as my little side genie that fixes everything and gives me a good life. That's what my God's all about. That's 21st century culture that reads into God. But listen, we understand when Paul says here, listen, it's not about side genie that fixes my life and makes my life good. So in 21st century, I'm good because Jesus is there. My life is about living for Jesus. You know what Paul, in fact, actually says? Whatever we do, in word or deed, whatever we say, our lives are for Christ. He says, he's saying this. He's saying, let go of control of your life and give God central control of who you are. So that wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever you say will be for Him. Listen, if you can read these next verses with that, I guarantee these verses are so much easier to build into your life. Whatever you do, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ and come with Him into the presence of God, the Father, to give thanks to Him. I love this fact. He says, now come into the presence of God. Listen, there is a power to a life that's not lived for me, a life that's lived to bring glory to God, that keeps us in the presence of God. A life of control, trying to control who I am, trying to control what I do, trying to control where I go, is always a life challenge when it comes to coming to the presence of God. Because we're so worried about me, my rights, what I get. Listen, all those things are wonderful, but here Paul doesn't say, it's not about your rights. He says, listen, whatever you're doing, do it for Christ. In fact, as we read further into this chapter, Paul addresses some massive issues that go on in our lives that we like to fight against. But he starts by saying, whatever you're doing right now, it's for Christ. He goes from there and he starts to address the most important areas of our lives. He says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, verse 18, for this is what the Lord has planned for you. Again, listen, I want to try and come and speak beyond culture to kingdom culture today. Because I know that some of you have grown up in a culture where this has been an issue of control. I don't have the time today to go into this, and maybe I will further in the future, but I just want to touch on the reality of what Paul is trying to speak to a bunch of people right here. He's saying, hey, if you can take off your cultural glasses back there at the beginning, and you can come now to what the kingdom culture is, he says, wives, submit yourself to your husbands. I want to be really clear. Submission can never be forced. 
subordination can be forced. But listen, subordination, he doesn't say, wives, be subordinate to everything that your stupid husband, no, he doesn't say, everything your husband says to you. He doesn't say that. He says, wives, come into submission. Submission is a hard attitude that can't be forced. It can only be given because he says, submit yourselves. Submission only comes from myself and from my heart. Listen, if you're a husband in the room and you're telling your wife continually to be submitting to you, it is impossible for her to do that when you're telling her to. Because she has to come and bring submission of her own heart in this situation. Now, Paul again addresses this in Ephesians chapter 5. But in Ephesians chapter 5, he adds to it. I know some of the husbands in the room nudged your wife when I read that first passage of Scripture. You should have kept the nudge to yourself for a few minutes because let's just see what else he says here in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, verse 21, Furthermore, submit to one another out of the reverence of Christ. For wives, this means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Listen, can I, can I just highlight that for every husband that's already scribbled that out in their Bibles? Now submit yourselves to one another. Before he says, wives, be submitted to the husbands, he says, husbands, also be submitted to your wives. Listen, my dad sits here in this room today, 51 years married to my mother. Congratulations, dad. Now, marriage... For dad, is very difficult. Mum, obviously, very, very unwell uh, in, in full-time care. And, and dad visits her on a daily occasion, driving to the Gold Coast to visit her and, and brings her home and looks after her, which, again, I, I'm so grateful for a dad that's shown me how to actually do this thing really well through a really, really tough situation and tough period. But I, I, again, I, I don't want to highlight on that too much. I want to highlight on what the Word of God says here. Dad has shown me and said this to me many times, that when Paul's teaching this, he's teaching about how to actually blend a marriage together. Listen, the Bible says, and the man and woman shall become one flesh. Listen, we often think that that one flesh is a picture of the act of consummation of marriage, where, where sex and, and the engagement together, block your ears, kids in the house for a moment, this happens, that's how you got created, your parents did it, it's ooh, I know, it's, but it happened, it happened. We, we, we think that it's about that, but it's not. The oneness doesn't come in the, in the moment of sex. Listen, Tinder all over the world today, people having sex and there's zero oneness. It's ugly, it's gross, it's messy, and if that's your world, I pray right now today, God does something in your life and brings a transformation to your heart and mind and brings a purity to your thinking and being. I pray in Jesus' name that's the case. But right now we're seeing that all over, the, they're not one. Oneness comes in a blending of people. And a blending together is important. I want to be honest. I love Wendy and I am grateful for the beautiful wife, but the blending was difficult. Becoming one was tough. Two stubborn people that had to blend together, learn how to submit one to another. Wendy could never submit one to another until we knew how, uh, could never submit to me until we knew how to submit one to another because we couldn't blend. We clashed. We fought. We loved each other, but it was blending. Paul teaches here, that if you're going to actually outwork a life that shines Christ, listen, 
Everything you do, including your marriage, needs to shine Christ. So submit one to another. And wives, this means to submit to your own husbands. When we understand this, looking past culture, looking past how we're grown up, looking past how our parents did it, looking past how everyone else did it, looking past whatever everything else goes on around us, and pick up the Word of God for what it is, we see a power of Paul trying to teach us God wants marriages to blend. One to another. Yes, that also means wives being submitted. For the wives in the room that feel like that that's not for you, come back to the Word of God and to the truth that's outworked there. For the husbands in the room that just nudged in the first verse and forgot the second one, come back to the reality that Paul teaches us. This submission goes both ways and it's outworked to blend a marriage, to shine a marriage that looks like Christ in His church. Verse 19, back into Colossians 3. And husbands, you must be loving and kind to your wives, not bitter against them, nor harsh. <laughs> Again, if you were a nudging husband in the room, you always get it way worse than any submitting wife. I've got to be really clear. He says, be loving and kind towards your wives. If we go into Ephesians chapter 5, Paul absolutely takes every man to task and says, love your wives as Christ loved His church and gave Himself for her. He says, love your wives. Now, if you think, again, block your ears, kids in the room. If you think that loving your wives passage right there talks about going into the room, in the bedroom, putting on some nice candles, putting on some Burke Bacharach and your best hits of romantic music, dressing in your best lingerie and waiting for your wife to come into the room. If you think that's what Paul is talking about right there, you are wrong. Sorry. Baby didn't cover their ears. Yes, that's how you were made. Sorry. hot in this room so I'm turning up that air con listen that's not what he's talking about here when he says husbands love your wives I know you think it is and listen sex within marriage is a beautiful thing and it was created by God and it's a wonderful aspect of your life and and it's a really important part of that again kids cover your ears your parents are doing it it's okay and if they're not let me encourage you parents right now and make sure you are it's an important part of every godly marriage. A very important part. Very important part. But he says here, love your wives. That word love is the, is the powerful word of love that we understand when Christ loved to us in charity, in giving, in preferring the other, in favoring the other, in making sure that when we love the other, we are favoring them before us. Again, in Ephesians, favoring so much that we had died to self. We die to our own walking and living and thinking and believing that we would prefer our wife before we prefer ourselves. If I went around this room right now and I interviewed every woman in this room that's married and said, could you submit to a husband that always preferred you before he preferred himself? I guarantee every woman except for some really stubborn ones would say, yes, I could submit to that one. And I would say those stubborn women that would not submit even to a husband that preferred you always, then you probably struggle to submit to God as well. Because this is a reality that we see going on here in our lives and going on in our world. That we would love. Husbands, if you point the finger of submission, 
Make sure you point the finger of love back to you and the reality of what it means to you in your life. In fact, he goes on and says there at the end of that, uh, be loving and kind to your wives, not bitter towards them, nor harsh. If we, if we interpret that word back in its original meaning, we get a word, pick, ra, eno. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that, but that's pretty close to how you pronounce it. That word actually means to produce a bitter taste in the mouth. So he says this, don't be harsh to them so that you produce a bitter taste in their mouth. If you have a husband spoken to your wife in a harsh tone and the look on their face is like they just ate a lemon. Here's the issue. Most of you husbands are unable to read the looks on your wives' faces because this is a natural deficiency that us men have. Uh, there's a certain part of our brain that doesn't function properly. Women are born with this functioning area of the brain. That's why they can look at your face and know what you're thinking. And you wonder how they know what you're thinking because it's written all over your face. You look at their face and have no idea. It's date night, but your mates want to go out and hang out. Oh, Instead of going to date night tonight, can I go out and hang out with my mate? She says yes, but her face says, I will flipping murder you, you stupid idiot. If you dare go. She said yes, you leave. You can't see the bitter look on her face where she just sucked on a lemon and wants to slit your throat. You wonder why when you get home from hanging out with the mates, there's no Burke Bacharach music and her waiting in the underwear. The face told the tale hours ago. Most of us men are incapable. I should do lessons one day. Now listen, I've got a wife that has taught me over 25 years. She's two years older than me. She took the biblical approach, trained them young and the way they should go, and they shall not depart from it. She has trained me well to understand what her face is saying, not what her mouth. It's very important. He says here, right at this moment, don't be harsh towards them because it produces in their mouth a bitterness and a resentfulness towards you. I understand this. When, I'm, when I speak harshly around Wendy, something shifts in her. It's a harshness that comes out of my mouth. And I want to encourage men. Understand tone is a powerful thing. Yes, we miss it. Yes, we miss the face. We miss the tone because we're inept at that. But women aren't. Tone matters. Make sure we're really clear. And Paul's clear about it. Be, don't be loving. Don't be harsh. Because it produces bitterness in that beautiful woman. Your children, in verse 20. Must always obey your fathers and mothers, for this pleases the Lord. Again, he's speaking here about the power of families. Children, obey your fathers and mothers. If we go into uh, the Old Testament, we see this is the first command with a promise to honor your mother and father. Because from that, you will live a long life for two reasons. Your dad can kill you with one punch. No, that's not a reason. Listen, this is the reason. Your folks know some stuff. If you're a kid in the room, I want to speak to you for a minute. I know you think they don't. I know culture tells you they don't. I know right now you're feeling like all your friends tell you that your parents don't know some stuff. But some parents in the room know some stuff. And they know some stuff because they were just as stupid as you when you were a teenager. And they made just as many stupid mistakes. And they outwork their lives just as stupid as you did. They just don't tell you because they're wise enough to keep that to themselves. But they know some stuff. I, I, I look at my son, Josh. Uh, I, I am grateful for a, a good young man 
that has made wise decisions in his life, made wise decisions in, in many areas of who he is, and built himself into a young man of God that, that is honoring and sometimes even listens to me. Sometimes. Uh, we're hanging out with some of his friends the other day, and uh, they'd stayed at our house. I went to bed early, and we were getting up early to go fishing. And uh, I, I asked them, I'm like, what time do you guys go to bed? Josh was quiet. And, and his mate goes, I oh, we went to bed at 12.30. I'm like, we're getting up at 4 o'clock. And you went to bed at 12.30, and Josh's like, you always tell Dad a little lie. <laughs> this is what he says. You always say a little bit. We went to bed at 9.30, Dad. I'm grateful for my awesome son. Listen, he goes on and says, Fathers, don't scold your children so much that they become discouraged and quit trying. He's talking here. Kids, understand your parents know some stuff. Try your best to listen to them. I am, I am grateful for a great father that has spoken into my life. I am so grateful for that. I just wish I listened to him when I was younger. I just wish, it, I wish that I could have listened a lot where you didn't have to say all these times right now, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. I hate saying I told you so. Well, I do enjoy a little bit, just a little bit. I told you so. Parents know some stuff. But he then says fathers. Notice he doesn't say fathers and mothers. He says fathers. There is something about the power of a father's speak. Josh, come here quickly. Listen, again, my, my son is incredible. I just want to boast on him for a second. Like, Joshy loves Jesus, passionate about serving Jesus, is a wonderful young man of God, has made great decisions in his life morally and, and, and continues to do that in a wonderful way. He bought a business straight out of school. Uh, he's 20 now. He's since sold that business and he's working and getting trained in another thing and just starting uni as well on top of that. I, again, I want to rave on the fact that he's a wonderful son, but sometimes I want him to do different stuff that he doesn't do. And... I am terrible because he does so much good, but those little things that just irritate me so much, like going to bed at 12.30 when we've got to get up at 4, and now you're going to be tired for the rest of the day. Why don't you just listen to me in the first place? Why don't you just go to bed early like I did? And why don't you just, yeah, can I have an amen from a dad in the room that just, listen, you're wonderful, but you could be more wonderful if you listen to everything I said. Even more wonderful than I am because I didn't do some of that stuff as well, and you could just, you know. I'm grateful for a wonderful son that does that, but sometimes I can be harsh and like, Josh, clean that flipping room before I use you as a mop to clean that room. You know, I did that to him the other day. He's like, I was about to clean it, but just because you said it, I don't want to do it now, Dad. <laughs> I don't know where he gets that attitude from. That mother of his, for goodness sakes. Listen. This is the difficulty of being a dad. Dusu, can you come up here, girl? Can you come up? Run up here for a second. Listen, with, grab a seat, mate. Grab a seat. With, with, with my son, it's like, you're doing this because I want you to be the absolute best. With, with dads and daughters, it's a whole different scenario. It's a whole different outworking of things because every dad or daughter in the room knows it's more like this. Like, look at this beautiful girl of mine right here. You can look at her through this. Because this is going to murder anyone that's looking for longer than I say you can have a look, if you know what I'm saying. Look at her. She's gorgeous. She's amazing and want to protect. This is what dads do when it comes to the daughter. But here's the danger. One day, this beautiful young woman is going to meet a handsome, godly young man, and she's going to marry him. And I'm going to, oh, I feel like crying just even saying that right now. 
I am going to cry on that day when she's standing there with this beautiful man and he's putting on a ring on a, on a finger and they're going to get married. I, that, I'm going to cry that day, not, not out of sadness. I'm going to cry out of the beautiful happiness that she's found someone that's going to stand with her and walk with her and, and outwork life. As I've helped walk with her over these last seven years of saying, young woman, you can be amazing. You, I am grateful for that day. But sometimes we can stand too harsh, harsh, and, and we have to make sure that we're ready to really encourage someone to walk into what a future is for their life. Listen, that's with daughters, that's with sons, that is outworked with our lives in how we as fathers, he addresses the dads and says, don't be too harsh. Can I add to that? We're harsh with our wives when we speak, if I speak that way to Wendy, also with our daughters. How you speak is so different to how you can speak to him. How I speak to my son, sometimes I'm probably a little too harsh, and he would say that. But how we speak to daughters is really important. I remember Stuart Moncrief. I'm running out of time, and I'm going to have to pick this up next week. Stuart Moncrief, one of the great mentors in my life as a young man. I remember his sons growing up and, and his daughter, and he always encouraged them. And his son and daughter were the most spoiled little kids in the whole of the church. And I remember someone coming to him and saying, why don't you just say something bad to them every now and then? All you do is tell them they're wonderful and they're spoiled little brats. This is what his words were. The world does a great enough job of destroying my kids. My job is to build them up and lift them up into who God's created them to be. Why would I rave on my son? He's an incredible man of God. And I tell him I'm proud of him all the time. And I tell him how wonderful he is all the time. And I tell him how great he is all the time. I tell my daughter how beautiful she is, how wonderful she is, and how she can do anything. And God has gifted her with great talents and abilities and, and the, the wonderful ability. This is the job of the dads in the room. Listen, I know your kids sometimes aren't perfect, and that's great. We need to discipline and direct them. But our job is to build and establish who they are. This is why Paul, thank you. This is where Paul addresses them so powerfully when he speaks to the fathers. He says, fathers, don't scold your children too much that they will become discouraged and quit trying. Dad's in the room. We're here to create a generation of men and women of God that rise up and believe they can do anything. Believe that they are created and shaped and shifted by God into the greatness of who they are. We're out of time today. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for what your word means to us. We thank you for the transformation in that word. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the living word. You're the living word, Christ, that came and gave your life for us, that we can come to you and be utterly transformed, be utterly shaped and molded so powerfully into the image of Christ. But Jesus, we're only able to do that because of the great cross and the grace that's there to break off the past and move us into our future. God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, as we close here today. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts, Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.